Welcome to Hello Universe, a podcast about spirituality in our everyday lives. We're your co-hosts, Kylie and Eva. back to hello universe uh this is kylie with a solo intro and i am so jazzed about today's episode it's one of my dear dear personal friends and a really excellent conversation but before i introduce our guest i have a bit of promo to share with you um two very cool things happening one in the world of Eva, her program Safe and Secure uh, doors are open, and this is her program for uh, meditation and spiritual support, specifically for those who um, have been impacted by addiction. In particular, those of you who have who love or have loved someone with an addiction. So, if your parents were addicts, if your partner is or was an addict, um, ex relationships, right? Like if if addiction has been part of your life. It has um, woven its way through your heart and subconscious. And when we love people who are addicts, um, we, you know, contort and perform and sacrifice ourselves in all sorts of ways in order to maintain that relationship or kind of eke out what we need from it. And um, that can have a lasting impact. And uh, as listeners know, Eva has her own personal journey of that with her mom and uh, is an exceptional meditation teacher Um, because I also think meditation is something that seems really scary to a lot of us. Like it's, it's really rooted in like, there's a right way and there's a wrong way and like you're doing it wrong. And so then you don't do it because it doesn't feel good to think you're doing it wrong all the time. Right. Um, And, and so I think that, the intersection of these spaces is like just pretty fucking baller. And um, if you are someone who has been impacted by addiction, and if you are someone who is looking for a spiritual way to like move through some of the either heartache or just learned patterns and behaviors around that, um, this program's for you. And I, I have a good friend who took this program in the past and spoke very highly of it, obviously, because it's Eva. Who is better than Eva? Um, so go sign up for safe and secure. And then when you're done with that, you can go to evaliao.com to do that. And then when you are done signing up for safe and secure, go sign up for my brand new workshop that is free. Um, Liz Simpson, previous podcast guest, my business partner. Um, we are um, running a free workshop called money magic. Um, I have run this workshop a couple of times. I've had actually not to sound like a big deal, but I've had hundreds of people register for this workshop, which feels pretty fucking cool to realize um, uh, in the past. Um, and it's always really potent. Liz and I are running it to- together this time. Uh, it's two days. It's going to fucking knock your socks off. Um, the space that we're holding is specifically about looking at money from a place of deep compassion for all of the emotional entanglements that show up in money. You know, we expect ourselves to um, perform perfectly in order to receive money. And we expect ourselves to um, have an emotionally 
simple relationship with money. And neither of those are true. And there are such few places that can actually give you space to look at the anxiety and the shame and the worry and the self-protection and the quote-unquote self-sabotage and um, the stories of value and um, you know personal value and worth that we have wrapped up in money. Um, they're deep and they have a huge impact. And everywhere I look, there's tools about budgeting and hustle. And there's a lot of stuff about money blocks and like kind of manifestation quick fixes, but I find there to be a very limited amount of space to look at the really deep emotional complexity that is money. And so that's what money magic is. It's a two-day workshop. It is completely free and um, it's a really big deal. So come sign up for that and enjoy this episode, which is with beautiful, exquisite, brilliant Meg Jones-Wall. They're a dear personal friend of mine and also the author of a brand new book called Finding the Fool, which is a really, really, really great book about tarot. Um, As we discussed in the episode, Meg's perspective on tarot is very much rooted in giving you permission and you the power and allowing the tarot to be a tool to reweave you to your own inner knowing and your own intuition while also having access to this really beautiful complex web of meaning um, and meaning making tools. Um, And uh, I have been reading her book. I really, really, really love it. I wish if I had had this book when I was first becoming a witch, I think it would have a really different relationship. I know I would have a really different relationship to tarot than I do now, which for me personally is like, okay, it's kind of cool. I like when smart people talk about it, but I don't practice it myself Um, in part because it felt too rooted in right and wrong. And I kind of left it, left it behind earlier. Um, And of all people, Meg always makes me like love it and fall back in love with it. Um, And this episode is a really great conversation about tarot and, and all of the topics I was just mentioning, but it's also a really great episode about, um, liminal space and transformation. We talk about like what the hell happens when you birth something huge, like a book, and then figure out who you are on the other side. So um, I love this episode. I love Meg. I love finding the fool. Go buy five copies right now and enjoy the episode. We're so excited. Welcome back, Meg. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I've been so jazzed. Um, I've been like eagerly reading your book in anticipation. Oh, yay. Yes. Um, so yeah, so you know the drill because you've been on the show before, but um, let's jump right into it. Tell us what life is teaching you right now, my dear friend. What life is teaching me? Um, well, I am in a very weird, like post-pub liminal messy space of like, now what? 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 Um which is fun and totally chill. And I don't mind that at all. I'm <laughs> very comfortable to be in the, what the fuck is up with this space. Um, so I'm definitely. Was that in earnest or was that sarcasm? I... Uh, both. Yeah, okay, that's what I <laughs> Yes. <laughs> it started as sarcastic, but it was also earnest, but it was also definitely sarcastic. That's yeah. where I am right now. Um, yeah. yeah. I think I'm really like learning a lot about like internal narratives and thinking about like truth and authenticity and 
like what transformation looks like and feels like and accomplishes and doesn't accomplish. And um, yeah, thinking a lot about what I want my next projects to be and where I want to put time and energy and creativity, but also like reflecting a lot in like who I am as a person and like what feeds me and like what perhaps I've done that I like don't feel great about and what I've done that I do feel great about. So it's a big like end of cycle kind of waiting to see what the next cycle becomes like hermit moon number nine sort of energy over here. So yeah, it's a, it's a place. <laughs> it's a place for sure. A place. Yeah. <laughs> can, I, can I ask what feel, cause I feel like this is something a lot of us can relate to, right? These moments where you're like in some kind of transition or mm -hmm. even more like in the like the part of transition that's the pause right because there's a transition yeah. that's like oh you know Eva I'm moving across the country but mm -hmm. there's a moment beforehand that's like I know things are like in flux and there's nothing there's no action for me to take I just like all I can do is like be in the in between yeah um, or liminal spaces you called it and then maybe like worry <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Try to trust, but you're also like, what? Yeah. yeah. And then I, I'm curious to know what, well, first just acknowledging that that, that place of like the pause before action and transition, but then also what has felt helpful for you as you float around in your discomfort and possibility? <laughs> Wait, can we, think, can we before you oh, answer the question, I want to yeah. take a pause just for context. So are you talk? are you, and for our listeners, this liminal space that you're in, is this in relation to your book? Like having it be sort of like out, like where you are right now, it's out. And then now you're like, what's next? Is that the context? That's part of it. Yeah. I think I'm also just like in the grander scheme of things, like who am I and what am I doing? And like, what, oh, okay. what is my purpose? And like, you know, I, this book has been uh, the book is definitely a big piece of it, I think, because it's been something like I conceived of this in 2019, you know, and I've been working towards it and on it and around it for such a long time. And now it's out and it's sort of like, I guess I have to do something else now, huh? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, or, do, or do you? That's or do I? Or yeah. Do and like, what do I want that to be? Am I staying in tarot? Am I doing something completely different? Am I doing something uh, related? Am I... You know, oh. can I afford to like take another four years to write a book? Do I have to like get another job? Like, mm -hmm. you know, it's like there's just like a lot of like moving pieces um, and it's given a lot of opportunity for also like personal reflection and like what feeds my creativity, what feels true to me, um, reflecting on choices I've made and relationships I've created and like communities I've invested in. It's just it's like a huge reckoning. Um, thinking about, you know, things I've done that I regret and things I've done that I would have done differently and things that I've done that were painful, but I learned a lot from, you know, there's just like, there's so many things to look at. And because I don't have this, like, I don't know, I have like five or six, maybe seven, like things simmering and I'm trying to kind of decide which pot to stir very seven of cups. Like, yeah. what am I <laughs> doing? Um, and so it, yeah, it feels like a really good opportunity to look at everything, but that is also like, I don't know, it can be, I think for some people it can be a really comfortable fluid space. And for me, I think having been in a space of, I know what my goal is and I know what I'm working towards for such a long time, for so many years, it's a little uncomfortable. Like I'm oh a little like. I gotta get, I gotta figure out what I'm doing so I can fucking do it. You know, <laughs> you were like, this is crazy to me. Before I got onto this podcast, I was writing a newsletter and also my joy today was going to be about 
the the liminal space so this is like so on oh point. i the love space it between, i love it like i saw this post that like sort of really gave language to where i am as well which is like the time between um like oh god i can't remember the quote it was from a from spring washam who's this wonderful mm. meditation teacher who's also been on our podcast something like the ending and also the not yet like that is a sacred yes. space yes and mm. i was like oh my god that's what i'm in right now i'm in a sacred i mean i'm in the sacred space and it's fucking terrifying sometimes <laughs> yeah. like I think it does depend on your personality yeah I'm with you Meg like I you know I like having goals and I can be a very focused person but I think it's actually because that's my norm it's really helpful for me to be in the liminal space because it's mm-hmm. my my uncomfortable zone and it's challenging me and and also every like when I look back in hindsight every time I've been in the liminal space in the like what was and not yet those have been the most beautiful like mm. messy sure but also like transformative and flowery times like it's this weird ass space that's like <laughs> um that is where the transformation happens I think and just for context so I broke up with my partner and I moved to Austin and I'm don't yeah just like there's a lot of change and and yeah, that's ending and I don't mm-hmm. know what's up yet either it's totally open and so yeah. it is like okay I think I have a choice of like, am I going to be scared or am I going to use the tools that I have to feel safe in my body so that I can actually enjoy it? Mm. I feel like that's does it feel like an either or to you? Like, does it can do those things feel like they can take up space simultaneously or does it feel like it has to be one road or the other? Do you know what I mean? Do which things feel like they can take up space? Like like that you have to know what you're doing or that you can like exist in this like not sure space. Like, does it feel like there has to be a choice or does it feel like you can like start to move uh, down one road while keeping pieces of yeah, the I think other. It, I think you can, oh, I would like to do both. I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's the ideal, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I also want to add, you both pointed out like, oh, depending on your temperament, like this is, I think people who say that that place is easier, either full of shit or they've been through it so many times that they have created for them a sense of safety in the mm-hmm. inherent discomfort of being unmoored. You know, like yeah. like it's we, part of we, their routine or something. So yeah, it's like, like an we, expected. We, yeah. Or like like we spend or like they've built a kind of like resilience around like safety and the surrender of the liminal space, right? Because we spend our entire entirety of existence like pulling in markers of identity and like these like touch points of stasis and stability, even though they're all kind of illusions and none of it's real. And all of us are just floating in a tornado of chaos all the time in actuality. Right. And then we have these moments where we pop into these, into this liminal space and it becomes like, we can't hide from the fact that like our plans are meaningless. Right. And sometimes these, these liminal spaces have, are like full of you know, like somebody dies or like, you know, there's like huge life events can happen that are maybe unpleasant, but then there are also these moments like a child is born or a book is born or you <laughs> move across country that are like full of hope and possibility. But they're they're just as full of grief. And I think a certain kind of. I don't know. Like there's something. Uh, what's the word? There's like a density to it. There's like real grief of like, OK, something was lost. And also, I don't know what the fu- like I, I am unmoored again. And also. And I think that that I I do think that that unmoored feeling part of its discomfort is that some part of us is like, and this is the always case. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Yeah. 
Like this is the whole, my whole reality right now. It's always a piece of it, but when I'm busy with the other things or I can put my energy into other things. I can distracted from the fact that. Yes. Yes. I don't have to hold it all the time. I can kind of set it on a shelf and be like, yeah, yeah, I know you're there, but like, I'm going to do this right now. Right, right, right. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I I think like everyone. Yeah. I think everyone has a hard, it's inherently a hard place to be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, I mean, I think that's nice to hear because I think I have this illusion that some people are really like playful and like, oh, they're really good in this space. But yeah, maybe this is just the human, like, you know, the human response. But I was talking- Can I interrupt you? Sorry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because if I were to pick someone who I think is good in this space, it's you. (laughs) What? (laughs) Just to point to to how much, like, I think what you're doing, it's like one time they were talking on the phone and I was like, I'm honored. Pray love. Right? Like, like, this is, this is the- um like like yeah it's being with the messiness yeah it's like it's gonna be fucking messy and it's been messy and then but like can i you know be with that instead of trying to make it something else yeah so thank you kylie that's like so kind um that means a lot to me but i was talking to my teacher tom and he was like (laughs) he said something i thought was hilarious because he was like i've never arrived at anywhere but the beginning and he was talking about because that's and I was like, wait, what? Like he says these things, he'll just drop these things that like blow my mind. And I'm like, oh, Mike. And then I got all philosophical about it. But I was like, it's because it's true. Like every time you're done with something, you're just starting something new. It's like you finish this book. And so you're you're like, there's no place to get to because you're only anytime you finish something, you're just at the beginning again. So you're just like, you're like, oh, here I am again. I'm at the beginning. I'm at the beginning. I'm like, oh. That was actually really liberating for me because I have this illusion that like some that I'm getting somewhere or that like mm. that that this is like done, but you're not done. You just start again, again and again and again. And your whole life is just a series of beginnings. And <laughs> that was just I don't know, it was hilarious to me because I was like, that, that is when I track my life, that's just been true. I've never gotten anywhere but here, <laughs> which always feels like the beginning of something else. Yeah. And I mean, I think it always is. It's a matter of what that beginning is and like starting that generative process and like planting a bunch of seeds and kind of figuring out what grows and what, you know, your energy wants to go towards and where you feel like supported and like, Mm -hmm. yeah. And I always think about too, like, especially when I'm in a place that's so liminal and so formless and like uncertain um, of how many other cycles have been going simultaneously and that I'm not in the beginning of every single cycle. You know, there are other things that have been growing that have been established mm-hmm. or that might be in a fallow period, but still exist. You know, it's like it, everything doesn't have to be at the zero place, you know, like yeah. some things are are mm-hmm. farther along or are wrapping up. But yeah, when it when it feels like one of the biggest cycles you're in, it's that in between not quite started yet place it can feel really destabilizing i think because you're like okay this was the this felt like a foundation cycle um and now i have to make a new one yeah (laughs) Yeah. and i also feel like the more we are willing to let things like well you know some one of you know someone wrote this really great book about (laughs) (laughs) featuring the fool right in the title right and like i think that the more when we're in these liminal spaces don't you love how we just have to like give ourselves our own fucking medicine all the time we're like oh i'm learning the same lesson again i know i'm like my book is about transformation it's so loud right now i'm like i can't even look at it i'm like (laughs) i turned all the covers upside down i'm like please don't please just leave me alone like i just sometimes i will just send liz um since my business partner of voice note and just be like why the 
fuck did we pick shadow work and walking into the fire as our medicine? That was a fun game. Like, what? Why didn't we pick like daisies in a field? What the hell is wrong with that? Because <laughs> we like yeah. doing the hard stuff, but then we have to do the hard stuff. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> Actually, I had a conversation with um with my friend um Liz Dubois, who different Liz, but who was an early guest on our show mm-hmm. earlier today. And our specific conversation was actually about the hard stuff and about like our like love and enjoyment of it. But she was basically challenging me to unhook struggle from hard. Mm-hmm. Right. For listeners, Meg just made a face of like she made the exploding head emoji. Yeah, I face. just can we just pause for like five minutes to watch the process? <laughs> Damn. Literally, literally she was like, Really, how attached are you to how much how, what is that was the question? She was basically like, How much of your identity is wrapped up in your ability to do hard things? Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, well, I hate you forever and I'm hanging up now. <laughs> That's my answer. <laughs> Friendship over. <laughs> But I love oh, this question. That's of like, a great question, though. Yeah. yeah. Like, because for the those of us who like, you know, Eva uses the phrase, like, type be fun, who like, like the challenge. Can we give ourselves permission to like, do the challenge without bringing along all the ways in which it comes with, like, struggle and suffering? Mm-hmm. Well, I think, so going back to what she asked you, did you, I heard you say, can you detach struggle from being hard? Is that what you said? Well, like the idea, I'm going to kind of, the yeah, I forget exactly what she worded it, but it was basically like, you like challenges, right? but you're exactly. making a condition of it being challenging that it's like unpleasant and full of suffering. Right. right. And yeah. so can you give yourself permission to like actually have a lot of fun in the fact that you're pursuing something really challenging? Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hear Like you. finding joy in that challenging condition versus like making these two things inextricably linked or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And this question was asked of me like three hours ago. So I have no answers. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I so, okay. So something that when I got COVID earlier, a couple, like a couple months ago, and this happens all the time. I don't know if you have this experience when you get sick and you realize like, oh my God, how much health is like amazing and how like you're so sick and you don't realize that actually when you're not sick, that's actually just already life is already great when you're just not sick. And I just had this like COVID induced profound like realization where I was like, oh, when when there's no huge problem in my life, like there's not a death or like a tragedy or or a sickness and everyone's like, OK, so like basically like a general normal day. I'm like, that is a blessing like that in itself is is a gift but I have all these like little problems, like I'm trying to figure out my finances or I'm trying to like, whatever, have a dispute with this person, like these little everyday things. I'm like, those aren't problems. I'm here because my soul is like, oh, that's fun for me. Like my soul is like, I actually wants to figure things out because the figuring out, like you're saying, Kylie, it's a challenge. It's like, it's it's stimulating, it's engaging. And I'm like, oh, I realize like when I'm not sick and I'm just like living my life, I actually kind of yeah, like those things, not in a, I'm a glutton for pain kind of way. It's like these things, it's exciting for me to figure out a problem basically. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I'll speak for myself, but I'm sure a lot of people in business for themselves can relate. Your business is a problem. It's it's like, it's a thing that you're trying, like a puzzle that you're trying to work out. Right. And it can be a huge fucking pain in the ass, or it can be a game that's kind of exciting. Mm. Yeah, well, because we need friction to move forward, right? If we don't have, if we're it's just 
slippery, if there's no like tension, if there's nothing we can push against, we can't go anywhere. We just stay stagnant, but we need that friction to create heat and to create movement and to create momentum so we can actually get somewhere. Even if it's not where we thought we were going, like friction does that for us. You know, it's those pivot points that like really make things happen. Yeah. Yes. And how do we play with, how do we engage with that friction without immediately on some level, like reading it as a sign of something being wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Like we're in danger. This is something I'm working through with my six-year-old, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, he's, he does this thing now where he's like, that show is stupid or like that thing is bad. And it will, it'll be because like, he didn't like it. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, 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 no, no, you didn't like that. You get to not like things, but then you're making, he like makes it a problem right in the big because his discomfort with like the way the show made him feel like it's like oh well i can't sit pisces moon baby i can't yeah. sit with <laughs> my discomfort of how that show made me feel so the show is just bad and it's i'm not giving great examples but i can just watch how like he's no i'm just like so the entire republican party like so, so anytime anyone sees anything they don't understand or like and they're like let's make laws about it oh my Sorry, god not to get so, political but like on but voice. isn't that it right like yes. i've got to i've got to legislate this i've got to destroy it simply because it's not for me or i don't understand it or like it doesn't it make makes me uncomfortable and therefore i need to make it therefore wrong. it must be bad not Preach. to group your child in with the conservative <laughs> party i'm so sorry you know i love your children no but yes. i mean I, I think it makes sense like that a lot of the republican party is very childish and you know have I maybe mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah but also it's that it's that 100% like this isn't for me and i don't understand it so it must not just be bad it must be evil and we have to make it against the law like we have to like fully disengage with it and like exercise it from society because it because simply because i don't understand it and because i can't sit with i can't handle the discomfort that it makes me feel yeah and i can't Mm -hmm. find any value in the discomfort or i can't find any what is it elizabeth gilbert says like strange jewels like like the little things that you're like i don't know what this is but i like it or i want to investigate it or i want to understand it or i want to make magic out of it like yeah yeah. Yes. Oh, an unwillingness to do that is, yeah, I think yeah. is a specific kind of thing. And I mean, it's something to unpack and like play with and explore for sure. Yeah. And how lucky yeah. that he gets to learn that lesson so early. I mean, I don't know. Because sometimes I'm really compassionate. And sometimes I'm like, oh my God, can you really stop complaining? Like, it's, it's not It's not a problem, actually. Just stop. <laughs> like the show is fine. We just don't have to watch it. Yeah. 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 Or I'll do this thing where I'm like, that's judgment Desi. That's because part of it is he doesn't understand. So I'm like, sometimes I'm very compassionately like, so like your feeling is very valid, but then you're adding in this layer of judgment. And then other times I'm like, that's judgment Desi. And I'm just me being really judgmental of his judgment. It's a mind fuck. It's a total mind fuck. <laughs> and then to make matters worse, just in this little like side jaunt about uh, side jaunt about Desi, he has started doing this really cute thing where if he thinks I'm stressed out, he strokes the back of my neck. He did oh. it once during dinner and was like, "Does that make you feel better?" And I was like, "I didn't know I needed that, but that's very sweet." Oh, and um, also very intuitive. How intuitive yeah. is like I want to soothe you. Yes. Like <laughs> so now, if I snap Funny. at him for being a judgmental little twerp of a six-year-old, like <laughs> come up to me and then stretches. If I'm standing, he like stretches hand up yeah. really high and try to like stroke. The back <laughs> of my oh my god. All the cutie pie, which is extra funny because I really need a haircut, so I kind of have a mullet. So there's like so many layers going on. 
<laughs> oh my god but you know what's interesting is that like to bring these two conversations together this idea of the liminal space and not making things bad I think what kind of what I was trying to speak to earlier and I think you know I'm always trying to figure it out is like that's what I've found is that I'm un- I'm in the liminal space so it's like unknown I'm untethered a little bit and then I get fear comes in and my fear tells me that this is bad like this is the problem I have mm-hmm. to solve and like it's like I'm not safe or something and so reframing this as, as like this is a sacred space and luckily I've had experience enough to show me like wait this is actually a really transformational beautiful time I can go wait this isn't a bad thing it's unknown and it's uncomfortable yeah. but it's not bad yeah I was just thinking like like, is it uncomfortable or is it unknown like and it could be both but like does it have to be both like could it be one or the other like yeah yeah sorry not to cut you off no and then I mean to end it just say that then when I get when I like chill out a little bit or I'm not like in a fight or flight stage I can like surf the wave and then I can enjoy a little bit more and I think from that space it's like well I don't know I think magical things kind of happen because I'm like more open you know and then Mm -hmm. things kind of I don't know align in unexpected ways yeah, no, it's like fighting against a current versus just like letting yourself be carried off to wherever you're going to end up and like seeing what you find when you get there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. So tell us more about your liminal space. I mean, it's Ooh. essentially you were like, you were like, this is what I heard you say is like, I think Kylie and I had this joke, like we, we've both been having existential crises since we came out of the womb. <laughs> so <Sure>. like, <laughs> so I feel like, you know, this is existentialness going on and I'm curious what parts are like you contending with. Yeah. I mean, the personal parts are very personal, so I'll keep those out of it. But like in terms of like professionally, it's very strange to have finished a giant project like this mm-hmm. and to have it, you know, uh, like I, I know I've talked about this with other writers and with my partner whose memoir came out like six months ago and she's been on here as well. But like, you know, there's something so strange about like crafting this thing and being like, I think I know what this thing is. But then you just sort of let it go out into the world and it takes on a life of its own and it and people build their own relationship with the object. Sounds like having and- a kid. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, a lot of people call it like having a baby, you know, like your book baby. And it's more like a teenager or something because it goes off and has its own personality. You know, you think you know what you made. You think you know what you have. Mm. And then it goes out into the world and builds its own relationships and has its own life. And it's it's a thing that came from me, but it's not really mine anymore. You know, like Mm. like people are going to build their own relationship with the book. People are going to DM me the errors that they find in the book. Thank you so much. Please don't DM me. I know. Um, But like... (laughs) Bless. Thank you. I promise I can't fix it. It's just going to make me cry. Um, but like, you know, it's like, it, it's just, it's its own entity now, you know, it's its own thing. And I'm just kind of watching people engage with it with like awe and terror and it's wonderful and totally bizarre. And, and I've kind of just been watching this thing go off into the horizon and now I'm standing here without it. And I'm like, oh, I, I should have not. <laughs> like it's not coming back. Like you yeah. know, like it's not a boomerang. Like it's not coming back. Like I gotta. I guess I should do something else. Um, and so yeah, I have like some book ideas. I have an anthology idea. I have some classes I want to write. Like I have some collaborations I want to do. But yeah, it's very like, who do I want to be now? Like yeah. now I'm an author. You know, I've been working towards being an author, and now I am an author. And so like, okay, yeah. <laughs> well, and I, I think that to like the thing about the the birth metaphor, like Gina, Gina Cadlick, Meg's partner, previous guest. Um, Buy her book, Heretic. It's very good. 
Um, uh, basically by all of your friends finding the fool and heretic, that's all they're they're a little set. They look really cute together. They do look very cute together. Um, they're like, even in like the, like, they're even in your colors in this room. I know. And Gina's is taller. It's very cute. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, but like Gina would always kind of push back against the, like the, 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 the the book baby metaphor especially yeah. talking to you know me because I, I have a kid but I actually think it's really apt in a lot of ways in particular after your kid is born like the person you were before has died mm-hmm. right like they know you are now you are now new and you have to figure out who the fuck you are it's confusing because you have to at the same time you have to figure out how to like maybe nurse Take care a baby of without person. your nipples yeah. cracking <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um but I think what I hear about this moment that feels both exciting and terrifying is like a kind of death of you has occurred. Right. Yeah. And the other example that's coming to my mind, which is hilarious and like the most heteronormative example of all time <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> is um, when I was planning my wedding, I had left grad school and then very quickly got engaged and dealt with my, I'm not going to get a become a professor angst by just like getting really into planning a wedding. Yeah. <laughs> that's real <laughs> and then our wedding was over and i was like what the fuck do i do now right because i had punted yeah. like this like life i had punted that the like morning of becoming a professor and then also had distracted myself with a for a year by like planning this very expensive very fun party and then was like what the fuck what do i do with my time what do I do with my creative energy? Who am I? Yeah. And it was who, like, who am I? That's because yeah. yeah. you're like, I've been, uh, I've been engaged or I've been a fiance or I've been writing this book or I've been planning the marketing for this book or whatever. Yeah. Or planning a move or like, yeah. you know, like whatever the thing that you've been doing becomes your identity sometimes. And then yeah. when that thing is completed, you're like, wait, who was I before? Am, I'm not that yeah. person anymore. Who am I now? Like, yeah. what am I, how do like I identify boy. myself after yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. yeah, I feel very jazzed about this, like the fertile creative territory of the space for you. Yeah. yeah, I'm kind of waiting to get energy. I still feel so like depleted, which is wild because the book has been done for an extremely long time, you know, and there's so many months of just waiting for it to show up in the world. But, but that's um, exhausting but it, too. Waiting is tiring. It, waiting like, is yeah. tiring. And it, yeah. there's a lot of energetic stuff going on. Like, I don't I don't care how long ago the book came out. They're also <laughs> like contending with like, yeah, the just all the different pieces of like, yeah, a big release like that. Um, yeah. But I'm curious if writing this book informs you in any way about, I think, what were you saying earlier? Like, uh, yeah, I, I guess, I guess what you want to do next. Yeah, it's interesting because I've been thinking about like, you know, people have asked me like what I've learned from writing the book or like what what like a big discovery that happened during the book was. And, and I think for me, writing the book it it really became clear how much I think in narrative terms mm. and in like cyclical terms. Um, like even just say, like you asked me how I was and I'm like, well, I'm in the nine space, you know, like just the way that my brain likes narratives, mm. um, which makes sense. You know, I've always loved stories. I've been reading since I was a child. And like I read every single day of my life. I, I was a theater major. Like I, I love story. I love music. I love I love a a defined good for you. Wait, so you read, when you say you read every single day, like you read a book, not like a full book every not day, but, book, but yeah, I read. You have your, I like... read for pleasure every single day. Okay, hold on. I just want to take a moment because I think that 
I mean, I'm very just jealous so of that, that. Yeah, just so that no one feels bad. I'm also a idiopathic insomniac. I if I don't take meds, I will just be awake. So like mm-hmm. reading for pleasure, especially like reading the same books um mm-hmm. as I'm as I've taken my sleeping pills and I'm waiting to go to sleep is like part of my therapeutic going to bed ritual. So just so that people don't you know, feel bad. (laughs) Like that has been part of my ritual. But I mean, when I was a kid, before I knew what my insomnia was and that everybody just went and laid in bed all night awake and then got up and went to school, um, I would just read until five in the morning and then my alarm would go off at six and I'd go to school. So, um, you get a lot of time to read when you don't sleep, but it's not great for your anything yeah it's <laughs> not like, great for your goodreads count yeah <laughs> really good for my goodreads count yeah i had to stop doing it because i was like this is not necessary you know what i don't <laughs> need making everybody feel bad to about gamify my you know reading what? I, feel like, like I don't you need should, that i feel you should just soak up all the perks you can from that and so i mean yeah. there's yeah, very totally. few perks and yes. reading is really is, really is almost the only one that's right <laughs> But so wait, but, I'm also, I don't know anyway. why, I just find all this very fascinating <laughs> and then we can move on. But do you also, you said you read the same books over. So you mean like you have some books that you love that you like listen to, that you read over? I have, a, yeah, I have a, ro- it's mostly romance novels because if there's yes. happily ever after then you can't, get, you know, because I've tried to read like new books and like mysteries and thrillers, but then, then I don't want to go to sleep and I already have enough trouble going to sleep. So right, like right. I have a roster of, I don't know, like 50 romance novels that mm-hmm. just live on my Kindle. I like big, I like a big series with like 20 or 30 books, like a family or like a group of have friends to, like dm you later um, for your favorite yeah. romance novel because i like love <laughs> I, a good romance novel i don't read enough yeah and also i'm just the reason i'm fascinated by this like reading something over and over again is because i do the same thing i think for comfort mm. i will go yeah. to just things that i like i'll watch the same movie totally if i'm in a bad mood and i don't want to be like i don't know too stimulated i'll just watch like saving or no what's the one that i love forgetting sarah marshall or like oh yeah like, great well this is perfect (laughs) yeah but that's real there's that familiar like sinking into something you know like you can be fully engaged with it or you can like kind of just like mess around on your phone or like clean or do something but yeah there's a real comfort in that um, yeah, I sorry, can't, I can't rewatch or reread books oh, like so very, very, very infrequently. I've reread like maybe three books, and two of them were because they were assigned again in graduate school. <laughs> <laughs> do you get bored? Like, do you find it just can't hold your you focus, know, or do you just like it, actively not enjoy it? Or I think a lot of it is I actually have a harder time sinking into it because I kind of mm-hmm. know what's happening, and then yeah. also um, I think it brings up my like. Like, I don't know if it's like the Aries energy or what, but there's like basically this sense of like, I don't have fucking time for this. There's 8 million books in the world. I can't reread one. That's right, fair. right. That's, I totally, I, I totally, am going to die totally with so many that. unread books. So like, <laughs> I love this. I love the comparing of our different perspectives, though, because yeah. I think that all of this checks out. Like, I get, I totally get that, Kylie. And also, I totally get the comfort thing too, which yeah. is, I think, yeah, yeah. What here's something. I yeah, I mean, I'll read times. Like, yeah, I mean, having like. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Meg. No, no, no. Go ahead. It was just like if I if I'm in a like a really kind of like there are moments where you're like I could use a comfort show, and I will try mm-hmm. to watch something again. And I, 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 I. Oh, so you can't even watch the same movies over again, or like TV TV shows. I mean, like I, I, oh, I can, but it's not like 
Yeah, it's not your go-to. It's not. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, there are things, like, I'm very excited to watch, like, Star Wars and Lord of the Rings with my kids, right? There's, like, yeah. certain things that I think We just like, rewatched the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I, like, literally, just, like, last week or something. I, like, cannot wait until Desi is old enough to oh, watch yeah. those movies. Because yeah. uh, Nick does not give a shit. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's, like, a few. But even that is, like. Because I want to rewatch it with him, like all left to my own devices. I don't know if I would. But and, having the experience of showing someone and experiencing their first time is a different yes. experience. That being that said, I've watched Encanto 800 fucking times. I mean, that's, no, correct. that's not, not by choice, though. Yeah. <laughs> but also, Encanto is also a perfect film. So, like, correct. If correct. you have to watch something over and over, it's a good choice. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which reminds me, I should probably watch that again because it was really oh, good. Yeah. I'm going to cry like 10 times. Yeah. Oh my, God, my mom came oh, to visit God. for this like really, really, really emotional weekend we were having over mother's day and we watched the last 20 minutes of it together just like <laughs> holding hands sobbing on oh, the no. couch nope <laughs> yep yep and kind of delivering a real solid yeah you're doing its job i, I mean I sometimes you need to cry and it's good to have a roster of films that you know will accomplish that goal and then kanto sure That's will do true. that oh yeah it is true yeah. Um, okay, sorry. I feel anyway. like I took us down on this whole. <laughs> no, like, no, no, no. I think there's there's something really interesting about like do you you know when you need comfort because because that's the thing for me too. It's like I I read new books during the day. I do research during. The, I read nonfiction and fiction and like whatever whatever I feel like reading. I also read during the day. Um, but the the nighttime books sometimes I can like cheat a little bit and read a little bit of a new book. But when I start to feel my meds kicking in, I have to switch to something that I've read before because then I won't get too into it. Like it yeah. really is like a yeah. quieting of the mind, like a reading version of ASMR. Like it just helps me like kind of fuzz <laughs> out, you know? Um, yeah. No, I yeah. love I love that. Um, but I feel like I, we digress. What were we talking about before? Before <laughs> well, I, have a, I have a question. I, I have yeah. a new question for us. Also, I just feel very happy. I feel like all three of us sounds like we had like kind of hard days, and I already feel so much better from our oh, like little twenty minutes into our little chat. <laughs> um, I am curious to know. Um, what's the question? What? For listeners who may not have heard your previous episode on the show, Mm -hmm. which please go and listen, especially if you're someone who's been interested in tarot, but also like a little intimidated or maybe not had great first experiences. Um, uh, What what do you think makes your book and your take on tarot singular? Um. Maybe the word singular feels loaded. It does. It does. But that's okay. It's okay. I'm basically being like, I'm supposed to be confident, right? This is is me. This is me making you asking you to be a big deal. Um, Yeah, this is an an Oprah-sized question. This is prepping you for Oprah. (laughs) Great, perfect. I can't wait. We all, we all, we all know my. Call me Oprah. (laughs) Let's do this. I think that for me, like, really, what was what drove like every major decision and every like pivot point or like point of friction with the publisher or like whatever was really wanting to make space for people to have their own personal relationship with the cards. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what that ended up rippling out into was like, how do we make space for, you know, all different kinds of people, all diff- using any deck they want, coming with any level of experience um, coming with any level of comfort, you know, I, I know there are people that are picking up the book that are like, I've never thought about tarot, but my friend told me I should read this book, or this is the one that I found or whatever, like, however they managed to get their hands on it. Um, 
And I just want it to feel like a welcoming practice for however you want to use the cards. And I think that feels like a really grand statement. Like, I want this book to be for anyone. Like, you can't sell a book doing that. Like, publishers will not take, you have to have an audience. <laughs> like, and you have to have a very specific, like, subset of your audience to break it down. This is who this book is for. Um, and I know that this book is for those people, like, specifically for, like, queer folks and BIPOC folks and people that are margin, like, live on the margins and, like, want to feel like, you know, if they've been ostracized or felt like tarot wasn't for them, I know that this book is going to go out of its way to try to be as inclusive for for those folks as possible. Um, but I really wanted it to feel like an open door mm. um, for anyone that was excited to try to walk through it <laughs> and to kind of offer not not doing the work for you because I can't and I'm not gonna, but like um, kind of showing you here are a bunch of different paths you can take and whichever one you want, this book can serve as a companion, not to lead you, but to walk alongside you and encourage you to find the path that makes sense to you. And if that means you divert off of one of these roads, if that means that you create entirely your own path, all of that is legit. All of that is valid. All of that is wonderful and beautiful in you. Um, so it, it felt like a lofty goal, but I feel like that was really kind of the driving force um, and inspiration yeah. behind the book i mean i to, re to reflect back i think um there's a really incredible permissiveness in all of your writing and like in yeah. your approach to tarot right is like um this gets to be yours on your own terms is woven through everything and i fucking love that. <laughs> thank you because, i'm really glad <laughs> because for like a, I mean, a couple of reasons one like to just always love that message but then i also think in particular there can be this way that with any divination tool we can give the tool the power mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. so we can make it right and we can make our own interpretations wrong our own intu intuition wrong and you speak to that but then i think even deeper than that we can create these kind of like codependent relationship on the tools as if like, well, the tool has the answer and I'm just the dummy who like shuffled the cards. Yeah. And I really love that you're, you're, and I, I, and I think that sometimes people teach like, okay, let's get the basics. Let's like give you the uh, Raider white, like intro standard definition. And then we can teach you the alternative way that you can trust yourself. And it actually makes me think of some early conversations you know, in our house, we try to explain gender as like how you identify inside. And then okay. we also talk about body parts and we try to make them not. And I remember someone someone early on was like, well, isn't that kind of confusing? Wouldn't it make more sense to like explain the like normal way and then give them the ex, ex like, you know, the alternative later? And I was like, no, that makes no sense. That's and just who's normal. Like, right. why? Like, right. Like, like, yeah. Yeah. everyone, there were these big air quotes I that I gave around those <laughs> words. Um, um, like, the, the only reason that that feels that way is because you've been given this like, well, this is the rule and this is the like alternative, but we don't have to have that logic. We could just have the logic of like inclusivity from from the get go. And yeah. and there's a way that that is um, that that kind of logic is just woven through your work in a way that I think like. I wouldn't want anyone to learn to read the tarot from anyone but you. <laughs> that means a lot. Thank yeah. you. Like yeah. truly. And yeah, I think that there's something there can be, especially like, I don't know, for those of us, like I was raised evangelical, Baptist, Calvinist. Like I was raised with nothing but rules and the rules were not like, this is just going to make your mom love you. It was like, this will send you to hell if you disobey it. So like yeah. there are some stakes at play. And so like, if you're like me and you were raised in that kind of environment, 
having the book hinge on these are the rules and now we're going to teach you how to break them. That's not necessarily going to be super comfortable or like super welcoming yes. or feel very accessible for people, you know, it, and it can feel like you're immediately setting people up for failure. Like, okay, here are the rules and you get to decide if you're going to break them or not versus, okay, what if we don't talk about things in terms of rules and instead we just say here are some possibilities what feels good to you play like this or try like this or see how this feels and if it doesn't feel good cool you don't have to do it you know like it's a tool for you and you're the one using the tool the magic's coming from you the tool's just helping you clarify it and like yeah. own that magic and that's all it is like it's just paper you know <laughs> like you're the magic like the, the thing just helps to clarify it you know yeah. Yeah. That's so beautiful. I I do remember after our our first podcast episode, which again everyone should go listen to, is that like <laughs> I walked away with feeling like I don't know anything about tarot and like kind of intimidated and yeah, feeling like there was a right way to do it. And then after our conversation, I was like, oh, this gets to be fun. Like this is yeah. play. This is like empowering. And yeah, I don't know. That was yeah, it's just a really eye-opening conversation for me. I'm yeah, so glad. Yeah. And thinking about like liminal spaces, like, you know what I mean? If like starting a new tool, starting a new project, starting a new like learning process with something, it can feel really intimidating if there's no guardrails or anything. But like, I think if we start with too many, it can just feel like, well, then where am I supposed to go? You know, yeah, yeah. versus like, okay, here's a couple things to try. Like, here's a few options and you can see what feels good. It, it can feel a little bit easier to kind of lean into it without feeling like you have to like fully commit and like memorize all of these rules mm -hmm. or yeah. restrictions. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I had a friend because any, any like friend or acquaintance that needs something witchy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They come to me. The witch on call. <laughs> uh, and so I have a, have a, have a friend who was like, actually, actually what's funny is she had just finished reading Gina's book. And oh, then the, lovely. The, the next day she was like, Hey, I've like kind of feel like getting into tarot. Do you know anything? And I was like, funny, you should mention that. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, so I'm just cool. trying to like create like a, you know, Gina Meg groupie, but, <laughs> just um, <the> book club. <laughs> but I, um, but I was just so, I also felt super jazzed because I was like, oh, in the past, you have asked this question. And I've had this whole long thing about like, well, go to the store and pick the card and like get a book, but don't take it that seriously. And instead I was like, yes, actually, it's this book. Here you go. Go order it right now. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and that love oh, it. I was jazzed about. So I'm jazzed yeah. for all of us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Love it. <laughs> Can I ask how you're, maybe, they, maybe you don't have an answer to this, but do you feel your relationship to tarot has changed through the process of writing and completing the book? I think that like, I feel, I just feel so much more confident than when mm -hmm. I initially pitched it. You know, I, I bought my first deck in the middle of 2016 and, um, and like a few months after I bought my first tarot deck, I started therapy for the first time and like individual therapy for the first time. And so like, for me, those like kind of growth patterns, trajectories, whatever are very related. I don't talk about that very much, but like, it was very much like, okay, I'm doing this on my own. I've left the church. I'm like doing this thing on my own and I'm starting therapy. And like, these are two kind of modalities, tools Whoa, that I'm using to try to get cool. my shit together, basically. Um, so that was a mess. I feel like that's like beautiful, though. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it was really helpful. And my therapist has learned so much about tarot and really likes my <laughs> book. And like, isn't that great? She's in the acknowledgments. Like, because it was also concurrent, you know. But, yeah. um, but I think that, you know, when I... So I, I conceived the book in 2019. So I hadn't really been reading for all that long. But 
I, the book the book was never like I'm an expert and I'm going to show people how to read tarot because I know everything. It was much more like okay, I'm still figuring this out, but these things have helped me and maybe we can all kind of figure this shit out together because everything's weird and let's just try this. And so, you know, I came to it from that kind of place of like, I don't know, let's see. Um, And when Wiser bought the book, um, then I was like, oh God, now I have to write this. Um, I mean, I had like 60,000 words already, but I had to like, you know, edit it and put it back together and all of that. But um. But yeah, I think I think because I wrote the book in this very here are some different options for every card and like here are some keywords and some starting places versus like this is the definitive guide to tarot. Everything you ever need to know is in this book. Um, I think I think it gave me a lot more confidence to be like, I think this is this. But what do you think? You know, and to have that be part of my journey and my style because I love asking questions, you know, like I'm a deeply curious seeking kind of person i'm not someone that's ever really content with like this is the one answer i'm like no there's got to be like 10 more layers let's keep going so you know for me like tarot is this lifelong discovery thing and that's beautiful i don't you know i i don't feel stressed out by having committed to a definition of a card that's going to like haunt me in 10 years Mm -hmm. like i think i think it really gave me a lot of space and courage to be able to be like here are some options tell me yours. Yeah. Like, what do you think? Like, let's, it felt like the opening of a conversation instead of like, this is the Bible, <laughs> you know, like this is uh, the definitive thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's been really good for me. Cause I like space, <laughs> even though like too much space, like liminal space can feel uncomfortable, like having space to grow and expand and like carving out an extra large space to begin with, instead of feeling like I have to keep pushing against the boundaries. Like it just feels like a completely different choice and it's felt really nice. Mm-hmm. Well, and it also feels like a claiming of your, your gift, right? Which I mm-hmm. think like one of your, your gift to tarot among other things, but is, is exactly this, is this like, you know, is this invitation and this conversation mm-hmm. and this, and giving people space inquiry yeah. and giving people mm-hmm. space mm-hmm. and, um and and I think I might have even mentioned this in the last podcast. So sorry if this is redundant, but it was a while ago. <laughs> I haven't gone back. I didn't go back and listen to it before we did I mean, this. this is like you know, back to back Meg episodes might be like, okay, let's go one. So thing much Meg, but <laughs> but um, but I um, you know, one of the things I teach my clients is like there's kind of I think two models of leadership, and one is the expert model, right? Like I have a PhD in this topic, or I have 20 years of experience, and so I will teach you the knowledge. And then I think that there's this experience-based leadership that's really like wisdom, like rooted in wisdom, right? And because of, you know, racist patriarchy, we have a tendency to value capitalism. Like we tend to value the, we've been taught to value the Mm expert-based leadership, but also are all actually hungry for this wisdom experience-based leadership. And, um, and what, I walk through my clients a lot is like giving them permission to like claim like the thing you think is a weakness is your is actually your strength and the moment of really being able to like embody that mantle just feels I don't know it feels really great and I'm really glad glad, jazz that the book gave you (laughs) permission to like yeah of course of course it's an invitation let's go 
Yeah. Like, let's ask some weird questions. Like, let's see what we find, you know, like, and as opposed to like, here is the one answer, here's the one key. And if you can't figure it out, or this doesn't resonate for you, you're just like doing it wrong, you know, like, fuck that forever. Like, I didn't do well <laughs> in school for that exact reason. <laughs> like, this yeah. is much more my style. Like, I love yeah, that. Fuck that forever. Fuck that forever. <laughs> like, no, I mean, when we were working on the book, my, my editor, Catherine is absolutely brilliant. And, um, and she and she finally was like looking at all of my like tarot card descriptions because I go through, you know, each card and kind of bring in the numerology and the astrology for anyone that hasn't read it. And there's keywords. And um, and she was finally like, you ask so many questions, mm-hmm. like every single paragraph has a question in it. Did you know that? And I was <laughs> like, yeah, it's sort of my thing. Like it's for better or worse, like ask a lot of questions and she's like fuck it we're just gonna break them into journal prompts and so like when you go through like every like the majors have a lot because i wrote specific journal prompts for you know this the numerology paragraphs and the astrology paragraphs and like the keyword paragraphs and the reading paragraphs and stuff but like even with the minors like every single part has a little breakout text box that's like here's your journal prompts because like i can't help it it's like it's just like woven into my dna like let's just ask can you give an example of my instagram like like sounds like a great editor who was just like let's make this like accessible she's great <laughs> and yeah let's find curious. out <laughs> yeah can you give us yeah she's okay so this audience she's she's picking up her book and she's gonna find a question for Here, us. we were talking about nine so let's pull out here's the moon perfect so there's a full moon in aries so yeah so like for the moon like you know we've got like pisces nine keywords like i i open each section with like some experiential paragraphs because it's for me like sensory components are like a really powerful aspect in like embodying the energy of the card and like being able to connect with the card in a way that feels grounded in experience versus Wait, so like should, should i listening. try to pull up this card to look at it that sure like- yeah find the moon okay. um it's it's major arcana archetype number 18 but it when you do in numerology you combine digits so one plus eight puts it in the nine category which puts it in the same constellation as the hermit which uh, is wait. in the first section. Okay, so. wait, so sorry, you're losing, you're going too, too fast. Me. So sorry, I'm what, so sorry. What do I Google? <laughs> oh, Google, Google the moon tarot. <laughs> okay, the moon, there we go. <laughs> sorry, I thought you had a deck in your hands, oh, so no, no, I answered no, 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 in a no, different no. way. My apologies. And for listeners, if you want to, if you want to Google along, you can. Okay. Yeah, Google the moon or grab your tarot deck. Yeah. Um, but oh, yeah, so cool. then, and then, there, you know, for each card, there's a few paragraphs talking about um kind of how the moon or how each card fits into the bigger narrative of the major arcana or of the minor suit that it's in um and so for the moon you know i'd start with the astrological correspondence the moon is associated with pisces you know we just moved out of pisces season and that um and that card is anchored by um by the moon um and then there's journal prompts and then we move to i'm going to read the numerological correspondence which as i said the moon is uh, major arcana archetype number 18 um and in numerology we always want it to be a single digit so we add one plus eight for 18 and we get it distilled down to nine um and so if you think about if you're familiar with the tarot there's going to be cards in the majors and then cards in the minors that all have that number so anytime you're working with you know you pull like the 9 of wands or something especially if you're struggling you can look back at the 9 major arcana archetypes of the hermit and the moon and think about how that element might relate to that energy and it can kind of give you a little mental cheat sheet to kind of think about okay what might this be communicating to me um so yeah, so like for the moon, you know, the journal prompts, I'm just going to read it. The number nine is a complex one, balancing internal exploration with external generosity. How do these archetypes empower us to serve? What do we learn about ourselves from engaging with both the hermit and the moon? How have you experienced each of these archetypes in your own life? 
and which one were you the most comfortable with? Why? So like, I try to like really tie it back, not just to tarot, but also giving opportunities to really connect archetypes to personal experience and relationships and ideas and um, emotions. Because for me, that is how you build a personal relationship with the cards. Um, you know, there's keywords if you want to memorize those. If, you know, for some people, that's a really easy place to start. But memorizing has never been my jam. Like, mm. I wasn't good at memorizing Bible verses, and I'm sure not going to memorize. <laughs> and that's, I think that's part of why I really struggled at first, you know, because I, I couldn't just memorize them all. And then even when I did, I'd pull a card and be like, okay, the moon is dreams. What do I do with that? You know, like right. it, there wasn't anything connecting me to that idea. And so I could remember the words, but I, I didn't know what to do with it. You know, I didn't know, I didn't understand what it was trying to communicate to me. Um, and so I think it takes a lot longer, obviously, to like answer prompts like that or, or think about what personal connection you might have to the moon or what experiences you might have with the moon card. Um, but ultimately, I think it, it creates a much richer foundation to then yeah. keep fun. Well, because that's how your intuition works, right? right. It's like, <laughs> yeah. like you it doesn't just come out of nowhere. You, like, <laughs> you, like, you know, is someone who like, you know, someone the other day was like, are you psychic? And I was like, but look, yes, actually, technically speaking, right? Yeah. And like when images or messages or metaphors show up for me, it's based on like my reference system, right? And yeah. then I have to do the work of like filtering it for my own like biases or whatever, right? But it's like, I'm not getting... I'm not going to see your reference system. I'm going to see my own and right. then I process it. So understanding what the moon means to you is going to be way more fucking useful than uh, you're actually kind of unlocking something for me. Mm. Once again, like you did last time about the tarot, <laughs> because there are some cards, I think the star card and the mm -hmm. moon in particular that I've always just felt this like weird disconnect from a hermit is another one. There's just mm. some of these that I have like a, like a big like wall. And yeah. uh, I think it's exactly this. It's I haven't like, what does the moon mean to me? I, mm -hmm. I don't know. I maybe I want to sit with this question. TBD. Yeah. TBD. Mm. Well, and yeah, I think some of the cards, especially, especially the ones that are later in the cycle, um, because the, the early, the early numbers in the cycle, the early cards in the cycle, um, not that they're easier, or simpler, but like uh, it, they're often easier to connect with, you know, like initiatory energy, like the magician is like brainstorming and confidence and courage and thinking about everything you want to do and imagining all the different ways you can do it. Like most of us know what that feels like, you know, even yeah. if we don't do it on a daily basis, most of us understand that impulse of like, okay, dream big. What can we do? Like I can do anything. I have the resources I need. What do I want to do mm -hmm. versus the hermit, which is like, deep personal interrogation and introspection and philosophy and the recognition that we're nearing the end of something and thinking about what is emerging from that experience and what's going to be left behind. Like it's much more vague. And even if we've all experienced it, it might take a little longer to figure out what that energy actually feels like in your body or what it means for you or like tapping back to times in your life when you felt that energy and you, and you had that experience um, but in doing that and in, in taking the time to do that work, then when those cards come up, you're like, oh, damn. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You're yeah. also making me think about how <laughs> there are also certain like that, like that, that hermit energy, as you just mm -hmm. described it, it's not always very comfortable. Like similarly, like yeah. the tower card is one that at this point I'm like, oh yeah. Hey, we're pals. We're pals. <laughs> and it's um, a tower year. We're in a seven year. So it's chariot yeah. and tower. It's a good time. <laughs> yeah. 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 We, we've been pals for a while, but like, I, yeah. or, but, um, 
like I remember the devil card used to show up mm. when I was learning tarot. The devil card would show up and I would feel like really freaked out and I would have a hard time interpreting it because I was like, I don't know. I don't like this card. This seems like it seems like it's bad and or I'm bad, right? Mm-hmm. And eventually for me, that devil is always like, Yeah, you're being a control freak. Stop being a control freak. Right? <laughs> it's like down. very straightforward. <laughs> yeah. For me. Yeah. Yeah. Um but um but I'm just thinking about how important doing this investigation that you invite us into is because there are some cards that that we are actually afraid of the energy of, right? And some oh, of them right. might be obvious, like we're afraid of the tarot for tower for obvious reasons. Um, but you can just come hang out with me in Magic Circle and we'll fix that yeah, for you. No tower's problem. great. Yeah. But um <laughs> so it's groovy. Um but then there's others that I think are maybe uncomfortable in subtler ways mm-hmm. and that you might not realize that that's where the disconnect is coming from unless yeah. you walk through Meg's journal prompts and read her book. Yeah. Well, and I think there are cards too that like most people can identify with as, I, I really don't buy the like positive and negative associations, but right. there are some things like the tower that are like free fall and like the destruction of something that once felt really solid and stuff that like anyone can look at that and agree yeah that's probably pretty destabilizing that could feel pretty chaotic that could even feel dangerous or like really scary um or really activating or really traumatic like and i think you know there are certain cards that are kind of even if you don't know anything about tarot that like live in that you know we've all Mm. seen a movie with a tarot reader who pulls a tower or pulls death and it's like oh my god you know and like okay sure whatever (laughs) but like um please call me if you're making a movie i would love to be your tarot consultant like oh my god that'd be um, let me help that Um, in the liminal space that's what i'm creating that's what i'm putting putting out into the universe um call me (laughs) you can dm me but um (laughs) but um but yeah i think there are other cards that like you know especially if it's a card that like some people love that card or like the 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 image of the card on the deck that you have like looks like positive and happy and you're like why am i uncomfortable i don't like like it's like you don't feel like you have permission to have it be uncomfortable or like it's activating like there was a time in my life when I was really really lonely and I was like losing some friends I was going through some stuff and I was having trouble connecting with people and I kept pulling the three of cups which is typically a card of like rich community and like chosen family and feeling really interconnected with people and being able to be your true self and I felt like the cards were mocking me because I was so lonely and I felt so scared and disconnected and like no one could see me or wanted to be around me and it was terrible and I'm like this is this card that's like universally beloved and this card makes me want to cry every time it comes up you know and that's also you know things like experiences like that or what also made me want to look beyond just those like standard straight up rider weight experiences. I'm like, why is this uncomfortable so, for me? So what was that? What was your, what interpretation did you come to in that situation? As someone who oh, I didn't have, I didn't have one at first. Oh, I just okay. felt bad. <laughs> okay. But How would now, you interpret it now? Yeah. Now I think about it like, so, so, you know, the, the suit of, of cups is associated with the element of water, which is tied to the heart and it's, it's emotions, it's relationships, um, it's the connections we have, it's vulnerabilities and sensitivities and anything that feels really tender and really internal and really personal. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think about water being able to flow when it's at ease, but also like being really heavy and dense, diving deep into something and not necessarily being able to see the bottom or find yourself being swept in currents, you know, th- there's water holds a lot um, and it can be really clean and clear and transparent or it can be really murky or really intense like water can be anything because emotions can be literally anything 
Um, and the three is is a is a digit that's really tied to expression and communication. Um, it's it's associated with the Empress. That's that's major arcana archetype number three. And the Empress is tied to like Venus, and it's this really expressive, connective, generous, abundant like. I want to share something with you. I want to bring something that feels personal out into the world in a tangible way where other people can connect with it. But there's also this like rawness to it. You know, this isn't like a refined, perfect creation. It's like the very first uh, impulsive expression of it. And it's it's not finished, you know? And so um, for me, like the three of cups can mean all kinds of things, but it can it can very much mean this like messy desire for connection that maybe isn't actually making the connection that we think it is, or like, you know, this reaching out for something and not having it come back or be understood because it's not finished. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, like yeah. that That's messy amazing. expression of emotion that like people don't get or feels like too much or whatever. I'm depressed. My my emotions can be really messy, you know, like mm-hmm. um, and so like it it eventually became this card of like, okay, like you are vulnerably vulnerably putting something tender out into the world and it might have a place to land or it might not. And like, that really depends on where, who you're sharing that with and like what kind of place they are in to receive it. So that even if your words aren't perfect or that like heart expression is not perfectly clear and refined, the people that get it are still going to get it. And mm. like, who are you sharing that with? And like, why are you sharing that? What impulse is that? And I mean, I could go on and on, but like, there's so much more to it than just like, this is your chosen family. These are your people. Yeah, right. <laughs> wow. Oh, I Starting along on the three of cups. No, I love that so much. And I love that description of the Empress energy. I also really, my t-shirt is my, is my, I've I was it. trying to figure out what, I was like, well, it looks like a tarot card, yeah, but I can't it's the tell. Empress. It's beautiful. Wait, did you wear that like in celebration? No, this is like my bed shirt. I okay. just love it. It looks really soft. Like, it, it looks very really comfortable. <laughs> um, it has, it has, a, I cut the, because I, I want to be cool. I that cut you the are neck cool. off of all of my t-shirts, but yeah, this one I cut so kind cool. of wide. So No, it, it like, looks great. You've got the oh, gold. It's perfect. Yeah, I can't wear crew necks. But... Like, I literally can't. They make me feel like I'm being choked. I cut every... I only buy things that have, like, a big collar or I yeah. cut the collar yeah, I want, like, t-shirt. you know, I don't want to, like, look too buttoned up. Like, I'm a cool kid, you know? Yeah. <laughs> You're a cool um, mom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm a cool mom who wears cut-off tar- tarot t-shirts. Yeah. I know <laughs> but you just really loved the like description of the the like the rawness mm. right the like the rawness of the creation i've never i've heard ever heard that description where that like actually landed very deep in my heart mm. because i think um i often describe myself as like a little bit of a mad scientist and i feel <laughs> like i really i really love at this point in my life i really love my ability to be like new idea a new idea a new idea yeah. and in order to be in that you have to like you have to let messy raw imperfect things out in the world mm. um and um oh, and that it. is sometimes a tension for me because i also like have this perfect idealized vision of it and mm. um you know know at this point in my life that's not how they come out um, <laughs> but, but that's like what i love most of, sorry i just have to like no good a, pl- a plug for kylie everybody just <laughs> yeah like, true just, i was gonna say this is a gift actually yeah, i know i love this about you and it helps with yeah. our creations and i'm sure in all your creations but like i get so into perfectionism which is the number one like cock block of <laughs> dreams and like getting shit done and so uh yeah you're just like 
you know, like I've said to you before, like you throw something, you throw shit against the wall and see if it sticks. And I, and I love that. And I think I like learned that from you. So anyway, just, just a plug. Yeah. No, yeah. I, it, it is something that I truly, I truly relish. I just, um, the, the, uh, and thank you for saying that. I really appreciate that. I received that. I think, um, the idea of the raw, the rawness of like, there's a, there's a power in something's raw form. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it's beautiful when you get a crystal that's been like all like refined and is shiny and is a cool shape. And also it's really cool when you get the rock that's just like, this is just a, like a hunk of earth. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I just mean? pulled this out. It's right here in your hand. Like, and, yeah. and there's a way that that just gifted me like, um, oh yeah, I do like raw earth. Here you go. And, and someone, and someone else does refined and yeah. You know, maybe you get yourself a partner who helps you with the refining. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, idea. like, in, you know, in the per- like, there's a reason that the emperor, I, again, I don't really do like divine feminine, divine masculine, these two are in a relationship, yes. whatever. But like, there's a reason. Listeners that the emperor- have heard my rant about that. I know. And times. I'm like, <laughs> this is a safe space for that. Like, but like, yeah, I think like there's a reason that the empress and the emperor can be their own little mini cycle because the empress is this raw expression, this outpouring, this like generous, abundant. Here's a bunch of beautiful raw material that's here it's out in the world and the emperor goes cool how do we what are we going to build out of this and like how can we structure this to like protect it so that it can keep growing you know if the empress is is the wildflowers then the emperor is like the greenhouse you know or the garden like it's like protecting it and like empowering it to keep growing in its natural expression but like safeguarded and like given all the, the resources and you know fertilizer and sunlight and water that it needs to actually thrive it's oh, so beautiful. Okay. You're like planting <laughs> something deep in my heart. Yay, become a tarot convert. This is my ministry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, it does seem like ministry. You just have such a beautiful way with words. Like, it's so obvious yeah. that you have such a relationship with this. It's like it's like poetry, the way that you talk about this stuff. Oh, thank you. That means a lot. Yeah, but it, it just like, again, when I talk about narratives, like, I can't talk about one card on its own. Like, for me, it's like, it's all so interconnected because it is just like this story. And it's like, this cast of characters, this like series of moments in a journey. And you can't, you can't just rip one out and look at it completely out of context or you can, but like for me, like thinking about what came before and what, what is in, what is living in this moment. And then what is it building to like, like when this reaches its pinnacle or its fullness, what is it then transitioning into, or what is it moving into next? Like those are really integral parts of that story for me. So like, you know, the empress is coming from the magician and the priestess, like these, you know, this, this brainstorming, all of these ideas and the priestess is kind of like whittling it down and being like, okay, which one of these ideas feels like the most authentic, truthful, powerful expression of what I really want to do. And then the empress is like, got it. I can do that. And gives everything that they have in that form and then the emperor comes in and is like cool like let's clean this up let's polish it let's make it so that it can shine and keep growing the way that it was meant to and like it's all just like this continuous thing i want like tarot the bedtime story (laughs) (laughs) maybe that that's well, the next project. Little, <laughs> I really work a little ironic from the person who can't <laughs> sleep. But seriously, seriously, could you like do a YouTube or something? Because like, um, yeah, I feel like a lot of people listen to these things like before they go to bed. Like you're saying, it's like, yeah, tarot. Well, it's not ASMR. But anyway, yeah, people can get really like into that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll think about it. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it is. I mean, it really is just a story, you know, like I think it being called the fool's journey is very appropriate, you know, like it's 
it's this it's this figure of possibility and desire and curiosity going out into the world and like transforming over and over and over by their experiences and the things that they learn and try and fail at and discover like it's it's a story um and so like being able to pull a card and be like where am i in my story right now like what's what am i interacting with what am i living in what am i moving towards like it can be a really therapeutic practice um, and that's not about what keywords it is, but just like help me anchor in this in this moment. Yeah. yeah. And I also hear you speaking to like and help me validate to myself my own experience. Mm. Yeah. 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 I I really resist the positive and negative things, but I get asked all the time about like the scary cards and the negative cards and the bad cards and like all that shit. Cause you know, we're we're humans and we like to categorize things and you know, we're really invested in binaries, but, um, like, <laughs> but um, we sure are. Um, but yeah, I think, I think there is something just intensely validating about when you're just having the shittiest time and you're just like, I'm really struggling and having the cards not mock you about it, but like reflect that back to you, you know, to go back to my like three of cups. I'm like, like at the time it felt like mockery because I didn't really understand what they were trying to communicate. But then it felt like, yeah, who are you sharing your water with? Like what cups are you pouring your cup into? And like, are those cups even open to receiving what you're trying to offer? Like, like, what are you doing, babe? <laughs> you know? And like, that's about- really validating. Like, and comforting. I also love that story because that story also feels like you birthing yourself as the particular kind of tarot reader that you are. I, yeah. Right? I mean, I like, think if it, that it card was... had just been like a bunch of like, like, uh, what's, what's the, I don't remember. Like the eight of cups, is that the one where he's like <laughs> sure. sad and walking away? Yeah. Right? The eight of cups is often read as like, leave something toxic behind, like right. start a new journey kind of right. thing. You would have been like, oh yeah, okay, this tracks. But somehow yeah. like, right, in getting this like seemingly dissonant card, you also like birthed, like, right. So the card, the card was both reflecting something deeper and also like setting you on this journey that was like, we're not mocking you, but we're, we're to go back to the beginning. Like we're challenging in the way that you act actually want yes like yeah. we're we're gonna create some friction that will help you figure out actually what you needed to learn and it might take you a while and it super did but like <laughs> right. uh, this was i was not a savant who picked up the cards and was like perfect i got this um but like yeah i think i think that it, it really was setting me up to to be like okay we're gonna push you like mm. you have to you're gonna have to work for this but also this is going to transform you like yeah yeah mm. 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 Okay, I could actually have this conversation all night long because you're two <laughs> of my actual favorite humans and I am mindful of time. And so I'm wondering if we should do a round of joy. Round of joy. I love that y'all do this. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Or you want to go first, Meg? What's something that's bringing oh, you joy? Oh, sure. Right now? I mean, we already sort of talked about it, but man, books are really giving me joy right now. I think thinking about if I'm writing something next or I'm doing something next is is hard, but reading the brilliant words of other people is always easy and feels very familiar, even if the things I'm reading are challenging or complicated. So um, I've been reading The Alchemy of Inner Work. I am apologize in advance if I say this name wrong, but it's by Lori Eve Descartes, I believe. Um, I read the first sections of Bittersweet by Susan Cain, and I have it ordered from a local bookstore. I cannot wait for it to come. It's about like melancholy personalities. And I was like, oh my God, I've never felt so seen in my entire life. <laughs> um, and then um, I've been slowly working my way through this collection of short stories called Fruiting Bodies by Catherine Harlan. Um, and yeah, I think right now, Joy, I just feel like I just feel like a sponge. Like I'm not, I'm not ready to be wrung out yet. I'm just like soaking up all these little joyful things. 
um, and just letting them kind of simmer and hang out in my brain and seeing what they're going to turn into. Also, you know, daylight savings time, it's finally getting nicer in New York and I can go outside and sit with trees again. And boy, that's nice. (laughs) That time on the East Coast, I think is so precious. It's magical. Yeah. And we live in, we live in a neighborhood that doesn't have a lot of parks. So like it's a little bit of a hike to get to one. So when it's cold, it's like, I don't even see trees, you know? And so it's, it's very nice to be able to go sit on a bench and look at grass. (laughs) Oh, I love that. I love that. And I, it's just about the little more space, though, that you, going back to that, mm-hmm. I would just say, um, I don't know. Yeah, you were, I think you were asking, like, you know, what's next? And I and I just want to offer maybe, like, you don't got to figure it out. Like, maybe it'll just make um, itself apparent to you in a way. Or maybe just, like, I don't know, just I, I, you just came up with a book. So I'm just like... <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know, like enjoy this. <laughs> I know. It's you, so because hard, because but I feel like get into something else again and that's gonna yeah. like totally wrap you up. And um, anyway, yeah. that's no, yeah. but I, I hear that. Thank you. And you're not you're not wrong. And I, I hope you find the same thing. I hope you're able to kind of like enjoy the unknown instead of feeling pressured by it yeah. to like sort it out immediately. Cause there I think there really can be such generative magic and so much freedom in okay what's next like yeah, yeah. and well wandering a, <laughs> a wonderful segue because that was going to be my joy this incredible week. <laughs> what is my joy? um and it was just like the the realization of like and the i think deep appreciation of that this is a sacred mm. time instead of being like oh i need i need to like fix something because i came i came in hot into austin and then i was like <laughs> here's my to-do list of all the things I need to do to get myself set up. And I'm going to like really slay and I'm going to like this idea of like redemption and blah, 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 blah. After, after a split up, blah, blah, blah. Anyway. And now I'm just like, no, I've been here before. And Mm. this has been the most transformative time. And I don't even have to do shit. I don't even have to do shit because it's already happening. It's just like, just Mm. by being in the discomfort and Kylie, this is like a gift that you've given me. It's like, yeah, you don't, I don't know. Like life kind of does it for you. (laughs) Like I'm already in it. I'm like, I'm showing up. And I can just kind of trust, and I think I am trusting. So that's, mm. yeah. I'll just I think that is my joy for this week. And also, I'll, I'll tack one on because this is just something so delightful. But um, I have been like really putting myself out there and like making friends. And I think I talked about this last week, but like it's just been an ongoing thing. And I'm so fucking proud of myself because I'm an introvert. But like I, I, my, I've been meeting really fucking awesome women, and I'm just like. This is so cool. Like in person, like in person, right? Because it's only a, so much time. It's like online. And yeah. um, my one of my dear clients, former clients, introduced me to her best friend, which like, it's just mm-hmm. such an honor that someone's going to be like, hey, I like you and I like you. I, I want you like meet in person. And so, and she was just so awesome. So that's one of the gifts of this liminal space is that new things are being created and then they'll become old. You know, these friendships hopefully over time will be old. But now mm. this is the beginning. And I just want to soak that up. Ugh. Yeah. Can I just tell you how badass it is that you've done all of this? Like, like truly, like, because that's scary stuff. And it's hard. And I'm an introvert, too. And like, moving to a place by yourself and like, starting over on your own terms and having to figure out what that even means for you and like, what you need to like, feel safe and secure and like, being in that liminal space like that's absolutely badass and <laughs> like like just truly straight up <laughs> i feel very thank you that's incredible i feel very seen and i receive that with gratitude <laughs> um all right kylie what about you <laughs> 
Um, so Birdie turned four on Friday, yeah. which as the time of recording was St. Patrick's Day. And um I made a I made a commitment that I don't work on my kids' birthdays. Um, and so we we took the train into Boston. Birdie wore we all wore our we all wore fancy clothes. So it was St. Patrick's Day. So Desi had like full head to toe green in like, You went into Boston on St. Patrick's in, Day. We that is Boston on also brave. <laughs> in a totally it different actually, way. We were it was like it was like Desi was like, I'm gonna count all the people that I see wearing green. And I was like, Great. And then it was like 20. I was like, Oh, I thought we would see we were like in the financial district. So yeah, yeah. that explains it. But um Birdie wore this like pink dress that has like sequins all over the top and tool on the bottom and um and we went to a fancy bakery and then we walked to the aquarium oh. and every single hotel doorman that birdie walked by birdie was like we're going to the aquarium my favorite color is pink <laughs> <laughs> and Incredible. then she i think she went to the aquarium when she was like 10 months old right so basically she'd never been to the aquarium mm. before and um desi hadn't been in a long time and they just were so so delighted mm -hmm. like oh my god the seals that birdie loved the seals she like it was just so great watching her be like both of them watching them both just be like totally ecstatic just seeing their delight at the aquarium was just so fucking great and like being in the city with them that i lived for so long and um there's a stingray tank in the aquarium now mm -hmm. and so like they they literally maybe take them back there three times. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was just best. And then we walked back to, and then Nick took a half day, so he met us there. We walked back to the train, and Birdie was so tired, her oh. tiny little legs, like she could not make it back to the train. And she were taking turns carrying her, and she was just going, "I'm so tired." <laughs> <laughs> Little mood. <laughs> you like it just made me think of like I remember when I was a kid and my parents would take me on like take me to the city or whatever and like that like just exhausted happy oh, feeling of like a best day the best feeling when you're like sleep asleep in the car and you're like parents carry you out and like I would pretend yeah. to like kind of be asleep even though I was kind of awake because I didn't like want to have to walk myself. <laughs> Yeah. Right, right, yeah. So Bertie Bert and I, I was like, I was never asleep, but I would definitely pretend to be right, asleep. Right, right, fair, fair. Bertie Bert and I both fell asleep on the train. Um, she she like fell asleep in my lap, and I like maybe that's what you need. Maybe you need a Bertie because she's like a sleep amplifier. Like I fall asleep with her all the time. Yeah, you're also a sleep deprived uh, mother of two young kids, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was um, yeah, it was just like it was just a perfect. It was a perfect day. It was like the most fun day that I've had in a really, really long time. And then within a couple of days, my everybody got sick, and Birdie spent all day today oh. being a sick mess. And that was also very sweet because she just asked for snuggles, and I she also fell asleep and and um in my arms. And I don't know. I just I guess motherhood. My yeah, kids. These days are that's so a good joy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, these, yeah. I love that you carve out this time for the birthday. It, it, it is because yeah. it becomes this like um, ritual slash tradition, tradition that you're going to like mm -hmm. have with your kids that they'll remember and like that you'll remember. And yeah, it's just super sweet. Yeah. yeah. It is really sweet. Yeah. It was cute. Actually. And one more thing about the birthdays in the morning, there was one moment of like high expectations and tears, you know, like mm -hmm. high expectations are a bitch. Right. Mm -hmm. And so everyone's starting to cry. Yeah. And then I had to like give them this little pep talk that I was like, here's the thing. 
everything, even on birthdays, even when you're having everything is like great and it's a great adventure. You're still human. Everyone still gets hungry and cranky. Everyone still cries. It doesn't mean it's a bad birthday. Yeah. And yeah. a and good teaching moment. <laughs> I was going to say, and you will probably one... cry on your birthday again sometime. Because I have like actually like a very cyclical thing that happened to me in childhood, even to adulthood, if we're honest, where like I would be like really, really excited about something and psych myself out with expectations. And then like, just end up crying like I I got a tour of the White House when I was in middle school and I like wanted to be president of the United States for a long stretch of elementary school <laughs> so this was a big deal and I ended up literally crying the entire tour of the White House was me just like having a meltdown because I couldn't I just said like psyched myself out and my parents were just you know doing the best they could but they were also completely <laughs> exhausted long story short I also felt grateful to be able to like maybe help them not make the same mistakes as me mm, yeah. yeah you know yeah i mean that's a good lesson they yeah, can make their own because like your birth <laughs> and they will but <laughs> birthdays always have high birthdays are weird yeah. yeah yeah i don't particularly yeah. like my birthday but then it has its own weird expectation you know what i mean yeah, like I no know. matter what your relationship is with your birthday like it, when's your birthday november 4th oh my god that's my brother's birthday oh really but you don't Scorpio. like that birth- you don't- oh no i i i just don't I don't know. I'm my birthday's always like a weird day and I've had like weird yeah. things happen on it before. So it's not like just like yeah. a generally positive, oh, good things happen on my birthday. It's always right. kind of like, okay, what are we doing today? Like, yeah, I have to pretend to be happy. Okay. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really care. Like, I gotta do the thing. And people are like, it's your birthday. And I'm like, <laughs> I just instituted a new house rule. My birthday is May 15th. And so sometimes it falls on Mother's Day oh, or else yeah. it's like very, very close. And I was like, look, here's the deal. I can manage my expectations around my birthday and I can manage my expectations around Mother's Day. But you combine those two and I basically need the whole day to be plated in fucking gold. And that is not fair for any of us. And then I end up miserable. So our new rule starting this year is that we celebrate Mother's Day two weeks early than than my birthday. Oh my God, I I love that. It's such an arbitrary day. Plus it's the worst day to go to a restaurant. Don't go to a restaurant on Mother's Day. It's the worst one. So like you also can get a good reservation. I was like, I don't want to just be mad at everybody. And I don't and I don't want to be mad at myself. Yeah. And also, like, I'm kind of a diva. I want everyone to make it about me. So, yeah. yeah but I also love that you can just reclaim it and you can make up your own yeah. rules, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. I think I've had the idea that I want to do that for my birthday because my birthday is January 6th, which is like right mm. after Christmas and New Year's. And now it has a whole bunch of associations. Yeah, exactly. it sure does. I'm so sorry. Oh, yeah. and exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, and now all that shit. And also, it's like cold and like no yeah. one wants to go. So, I'm like, I want to like do, I want to like do something like that where I'm going to celebrate early. Or late or something, just because, especially when I turn maybe. 40, oh my God, the expectations yeah. around that. I'm going to want to maybe get, so I'm going to figure something out like that. Maybe Kylie, you can help me think of ideas of like how I can reclaim it. I mean, <laughs> I love okay, that. I already have ideas. The one is that you have your like 39 and a half or your 40, 40 and a half birthday. Mm-hmm. So yeah. July 6th adventure. Oh, oh that's pretty solid. That's yeah, pretty that's, solid. That's good. That's good. Yeah. But that might be too far. You might still want it to be have some some proximity to your birthday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so TBD. Mm-hmm. But thank you for the inspiration. Mm-hmm. All right, Meg. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, we love having you on. Always. I love being on. Y'all yeah. are so much yeah. fun to talk to. We could be doing this for hours, but we're yeah. all exhausted. Come, so we're not gonna... <laughs> Come back when you have your next thing. <laughs> yeah, when yeah. I figure out whatever I'm doing when next, you're at the next, we'll when come you're back at the and next talk about it. End and beginning. But um, <laughs> yeah, what do you? That's... 
yeah, is there anything you want to promote or where can people find you? How people work with you? All the things. Restate yeah. the name of the book. Yeah, yeah my book so is called Finding the Fool, A Tarot Journey to Radical Transformation. Um, it's out from Wiser Books. You can buy it anywhere books are sold, but please support your local indie bookstore because they are the best. I don't know if you can hear all the sirens going by. I'm so sorry. Oh, no, um, <laughs> I don't know if you can hear them or not, um, but it was very loud in here. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, like I am, uh, I have a few classes that are available kind of on an evergreen basis. I have other classes I teach at set times. Um, I have digital books you can buy. I have all kinds of things and all of that you can find on my website, 3amtarot.com. Um, I also have a newsletter that I run, which you can also find there. It's called Levels and Fools. Um, and that is the best way to support me. Um, I know we're moving into a recession. Uh, subscriptions for newsletters to readers and writers that you like are amazing ways to support um, small businesses and indie creators. Uh, but yeah, 3amtarot.com is the best place to find all of my shit. Um, I'm at 3am.tarot on Instagram, which is weird. Instagram is weird right now. Um, and I'm at Mike Jones Wall on Twitter, which is even weirder right now. So, like, <laughs> social media is really, just weird. Social media is having a time right now. So yeah, really the newsletter and the, the website are the, the most reliable places to find me these days. Awesome. <laughs> Great. All right, everyone go by Finding the Fool. You will not regret it. And then buy a copy for your friend. Yes, please. And Meg, we <laughs> will. we can't wait till we have you on the show again. Thank you so much for having me. You two are such a delight. <laughs>